Well, I do want to invite you to take your Bibles and open them up to Romans chapter 8. Uh, and we'll be looking today at verses 26 and 27 as we continue our series on invincible faith. And uh, we're just taking a little break here. We're, we're going to be getting back into the Gospel of John, but just as Easter had wrapped up and we were still in this uh, weird time of doing these online services, wanted to take just a brief break to look at what I think is a very encouraging and very timely uh, section of Scripture in Romans chapter 8. So we'll do two more weeks of that after this week, and then the plan is to return to the Gospel of John. But today we want to talk about prayer and from these verses in Romans 8. You, you know, kids have a, a range of personalities, right? Some kids tend to be more daredevil. I'll climb anything, I'll jump off anything, I'll eat anything, and some kids tend to be a little bit more on the cautious side. And that can range. I mean, some families have different personalities, and even sometimes within families, from kid to kid, it, it can be very different. When I think about my oldest, our, our daughter, she, she tends to be more on the cautious side. And so there's been many times in her young life, you know, where there's, there she is uh, trying to do something or maybe thinking about attempting to do something, but uh, starting to get a little squeamish about it and me trying to coax her along, encouraging her to do something that she is unsure about. And one thing that I've found over the years in these young years that helps her get over that hump of, okay, I'll do this, is when I offer to do it with her. I remember the first time we went to Farmstead, right here, here locally, we, we were walking around doing some things, and one thing that caught her eye was the big slide, right, where you get on the, you know, the potato sack and you, you slide down the slide. And she saw that and said, oh, that looks fun. Let's go do that. You, you know, well, we get there, and we stand in line, and she's starting to look at it. She's starting to process how high that looks to her, you know, she was pretty young at this point, like her, her little brain, you know, she's starting to, you know, get a little unsure about things. So then it's, hey, I'll be there with you, you know, and that helps. But then we go up those stairs, we get up to the top, I sit down in my lane, she sits down in, in her lane, and then she's looking down the slide, you, you know, which to this little kid seems, you, you know, gargantuan, and, you, you know, she's starting to get scared again. And so then it's, you know, not just, hey, I'll be here with you. It's, okay, why don't you come sit in my lap, and we'll do this together. And that, that helps her knowing that I am there with her. When she knows that, hey, she has somebody that cares, somebody that is stronger than her with her, that encourages her to do things that she otherwise would be unsure to do. Well, today we're talking about the topic of prayer. And I just want to tell you, I think prayer, and not just praying, but praying well, is one of the most difficult things in the Christian life. And one thing that we're specifically going to focus on today is that at times we can get tentative in prayers. Not that we're scared like going around, going down a slide, but we, we are unsure. We are unsure what we should say. Sometimes we, we can't even find the words to say. 
and, and trying to formulate our thoughts and put it together and ask for the perfect thing in the presence of a holy God, right? It can make us a little squeamish and a little unsure. But here's the thing I want us to see to say. This is where God says, hey, I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to be right there with you. In fact, I'm going to be helping you in those moments of prayer. Right? This whole series, the idea is an invincible faith. A, a faith that, hey, no matter what's going on in our circumstances, no matter what's going on in the world around us, a faith that can rise above and expect good and expect confidence in God, even in the midst of dark situations. And, and if you want to have that kind of faith, prayer is an absolutely essential uh, ingredient in that. And not just any prayer, but a confident prayer. Prayers where you come in like Hannah in, in 1 Samuel, right? Where you come in just broken and distraught and you leave a different person. How can you have those kind of prayers? That's what we want to talk about today. And that's what we're going to see in Romans 8 verses 26 and 27. So why don't you follow along while I read those verses. It says, likewise... The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we start there in the first word, in our passage today is likewise. Likewise. So that that kind of starts us off. What does that mean? Well, it takes us back to last week. And if you look back at verse 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So clearly, there's some difficulty going on in the present. And the topic really we're going to see throughout this whole series is where do we get hope when things are tough? Like how are we going to make it through difficult situations and dark times in life? And last week, basically you started by, hey, we need to start by thinking about the hope we have in heaven. The hope of heaven should, excuse me, should help you in these times. And then today, likewise, here's another thing that's going to help you. And it's going to be the Spirit and how He helps with your prayers. And I don't know where you're coming from today, but I mean, we're not gathered together. We're still going through this uncertain time. And maybe there's some of you that are still frightened with uncertainty about maybe a health situation or a financial situation, and maybe many of you at this point are just simply frustrated at how things are going. What do we do, right? And I think a lot of those feelings are, are real, this uncertainty, and we don't like that, or just this frustration that I don't like how things are going, and I wish things were going differently. All of these things, what do we do? Well, heaven should help us be patient and go through this, and so should the Spirit's help in our prayers. That's what we're going to see today. And it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
Okay, what is that weakness? Thankfully, this, this text does a great job just explaining exactly what it's talking about. What is our weakness? For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. You and I have a weakness. We don't always know what to pray for. So point number one today, I want you to write this down. Admit you've got prayer problems. Admit you've got prayer problems. And, and I think we actually have a wide range of prayer problems. Because like I said, prayer, I think, is a very difficult thing to do well. It doesn't come naturally. You're, pray, you're talking to somebody that you cannot see. You're talking to someone that they're not you know, looking you in the eye and nodding along, giving you visual feedback. Or, you know, giving you audible feedback as you pray to them. I mean, praying at all can be a struggle because it takes faith to believe that. Now, praying well, I think, is even more difficult. And I think one of our biggest problems is that we do not, we simply do not pray enough. And that's not the main problem in this text. And we're going to kind of address that in a roundabout way. The focus right here is that we do not know what to pray for like we should. I mean, I started off talking about kids and how they're different. And it, it kind of brings me back to thinking about kids and thinking about the importance of parents. I mean, God designed it so that babies would have parents. And ideally, you know, they're going to be raised in a home with caring parents who are looking out for them, to raise them up to be responsible adults. Why is that a good thing? Because children don't know what to do. I mean, I am so thankful for democracy. I am thankful for freedom, but that's not how I run my house. You see what I'm saying? And I don't think it's how you run your house either, because I'm outnumbered. I've got three kids to two adults, so we're not putting things up to votes because if the kids, majority rule, decided things, well, then all we would do is play and we would just watch a lot of, you know, movies to an unnecessary amount. We would never have bedtime and go to sleep. We wouldn't eat vegetables or healthy things, but we would eat all the Skittles, right? We, we, this is what we would do if we let the kids run the show, things like, school and learning, eating healthy or chores and cleaning things up would never happen because they're young kids. They need to be taught that. They don't know what to do. And I think spiritually we compare, you know, our physical kids to, you know, our spiritual lives and we can see there's actually a lot of similarities there. We don't know what to do. So God has to give us help and direction. And a couple ways that, that we've got prayer problems and not knowing what to ask for. And the first one is we don't always want the right thing. We don't always want the right thing. Just like children, right? We want what is fun. We want what is easy. And, and that's natural. And, and when I'm saying that, I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, we really want sinful things, right? Like I'm praying today, God, really help me to go rob this bank or to commit adultery. Right? I'm not talking about sinful things necessarily in and of themselves that we want to do. It's just like, 
children, it's not that they're always just wanting to, you know, do these wicked, evil things, but it's not the best things. I mean, how many of us wake up today and you know, oh man, you know what I would really love today? I'd really love to go through a trial. I'd really love to just get a phone call that just kind of rocks my world a little bit. We don't naturally desire those things. If we're kind of left to our own devices, if you think about you know, a familiar passage like Psalm 23, um, we're going to pray for green pastures and still waters. That's kind of naturally what we want, and I don't think there's something inherently evil in that. But sometimes God is saying, hey, I've got green pastures, I've got still waters, I've got this beautiful place that I want you to be, but the road there leads through the valley of the shadow of death. And that's not something I think that you and I are quick to pray for. Even let's let's talk about prayer more in general. Why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Because I think another thing I want us to think about is that we talk about we don't know what to pray for. We don't always want the right thing. I think some of that we, we should know better than how we often pray. Go to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. And what we're going to see is Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. And it's a very familiar passage, the Lord's Prayer. But I want us to look at it together. It says, pray then like this. Matthew 6, 9. And even if you didn't turn there, you might be able to recite it with me now. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? And so if you break that down and even you look at how it's written in the Greek, and even a Bible like mine kind of breaks it down poetically to where there's new lines, so you can even see it that way. You start our Father in heaven, and then there are six requests. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Six prayer requests. And if you break it down, the first three are all about God. And then the second three are all about us. Right? Now that should give us instruction even on how we pray. Because... And even if you, if you break down the three that are focused on us, only one is focused on just our physical needs. Give us this daily bread. The other two are focused more on spiritual needs, right? Forgive us our debts. Deliver us from, from evil or potentially translated from the evil one, right? And I think if you broke down our prayers, you would find it not kind of broken down that way, that most of our prayers do relate around temporal needs. And even then, most of our prayers probably aren't even about us, they're about me. That's an interesting thing about this passage. All the pronouns are plural. So that even when we're praying about our physical needs, we're, we're, we're praying probably about our, our church family. We're, we're thinking of others in those prayers. So when we say, hey, we don't know what to pray for, we don't always want the right thing, well, 
we're going to see some of that is, is legitimate and some of that, hey, we should know better. And I would encourage you, how much are you praying for these things in the first half of the Lord's Prayer? How much are you just praying, God, hallowed be your name? God, I want to see more people give you the respect and the honor and the fear and the love that is due you. How much of your prayers are, let your kingdom come, right? And even I think that would be prayers for your church and not, you know, even just the physical needs of your church, but pray, I mean, what's the mission of our church? Making disciples, reaching, teaching, training. God, that's the mission that you've given us while we wait for Jesus to come back. Would you help those things to happen? God, I want to see spiritual growth and sanctification happening in people's lives. Let's make sure we're, we're as much as we can, we are focusing on the things God has told us to pray for. Again, that, that that's not, might not be straight out of Romans 8, but I think if we take one step back, I think that's something we should bring to the table. Starting by, hey, there's a lot of things we do know what to pray for, and let's make sure we're praying for those things. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Yes, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Even as you pray for yourself, how much of it is just about the circumstances and how much of it is it, God, forgive me for the, the, this attitude that I had or this thing that I said, God, and protect me. Keep me from temptation. Keep me from evil. I want to challenge you to examine your prayers even this week. And as much as we can tell from a passage like this, are you praying for the things that God wants you to be praying for, right? And some of us need to grow in that and to get outside of ourselves more in our prayer lives and then also to get outside of just the physical needs in our prayer lives. That'd be a great way I would try to sum it up to you. Let's make sure we're not just praying about ourselves and not just praying about our physical needs or even the physical needs of others, but that we pray more for others and we pray more for, for spiritual things. All right. But even when we are doing that and, and we are praying for spiritual things and we are praying for others, we kind of run into that next problem. So yeah, we don't always want the right thing. And even we're not always really praying for the right thing that we already should know about. But then we get to, we just don't always know the right thing to pray for. Even when we're being directed by something like this, God, your kingdom come, do you always know what that looks like? I don't. I, do you always know, hey, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you always know what that is? I don't. I mean, how many times is it, man, I, I, is it God's will to heal this person? Or is it God's will to take them home and be with him? I can't say all the time that I know confidently this is what God wants to happen here. What about sometimes in your own life? Is it God's will for you to, to get that job or to get that house or, or whatever it may be? Is it God's will for me right now to experience, you know, the peace of green pastures and still waters? Or is what's next on the horizon in my life trials and, and trouble? I don't know and I don't know what God's will is. When I'm in the trial, is it God's will to, to, for me just to pray and He takes the trial away? Or is it God's will for me to stay in the trial and, and learn? We don't always know. And even, let's, let's just think about right now. I mean, how many of you are having to face decisions in your life in the midst of everything that's going on where you're like, I don't know what God's will is. I don't know what to pray for. 
or even how many of us just some days want to just say, God, what are you doing? What are you up to? Because we, we don't all understand and it's maybe not working out like we want to. We're in some difficult situations. There was once a, a football coach that one of his star players um, got into a little trouble and, you know, in the you know, somebody from the administration of the school came to the football coach and said, Coach, the, the, the star player, uh, I think we're going to have to pull him from the team because he cheated on his recent exam. And the football coach said, well, well how do you know? I mean, obviously, he wants to kind of defend his, his player, defend his team, right? So he wants to know for sure that this guy actually cheated. Oh, how do you know that he cheated? Well, hey, we, we know that this star football player, he's not the greatest student. His grades show that. And he was sitting next to, you know, one of the best students in the class. And they, out of the 10 questions, they both got nine right. And the football coach said, well, hey, that, that seems pretty coincidental to me, right? I mean, he, I know he's been working harder. I mean, he, he could have got nine questions, right? And, and, and that seems like coincidence. That's not enough proof. And then the administrator said, well, they got the same nine questions right and the same one question wrong. Still, the coach was unconvinced. He said, well, again, that could be coincidence. Maybe the one question they missed was clearly the hardest uh, test on the, on the exam. Who knows who else missed that question? That's not enough proof. And finally, the administrator said, well, the straight A student wrote for his answer on that 10th question, wrote, I don't know. And the star football player wrote, I don't know either. And at that point, yeah, the football coach knew uh, that that was proof. But there's times in life where, where you and I, right? That that's, that's feels like how we are in our prayers. I don't, I don't know either. I don't know what God's will is. I don't know what I should pray for. Or there's times where we're going through so, something so intense where the grief is just so real. It's not even, I don't know what to pray for. It's, I can't find words right now. All I've got is tears and sighing and weeping. And the emotions are just too strong. Or sometimes the brain is just too fried. And, and you know, you're trying to pray, but you, your brain just isn't working because you're exhausted from whatever it is that you're going through. So yes, are there some things that we should know better and we can, we can pray more in line with God's will according to what he has taught us? Yes. But if there are situations where still we don't know or the emotions are too strong or we're too weak to find the words, absolutely. And that can shake your confidence in prayer and sometimes it, it can be discouraging to you to pray because you're caught up in, in thinking about those those things. So let's get to the encouragement. That was kind of, you know, hey, do you want the bad news or the good news first? Well, we kind of started with the bad news, and that's what the text does in Romans 8. It, it just starts by saying, hey, you've got problems that you don't know what to pray for like you should. But hey, here is the good news. The Spirit helps in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but, right? There's a lot of great passages in the scripture where it says something rough and then it says, but, and then basically, but God is doing something. In this case, it's, but the spirit who is God, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You've got prayer problems. Specifically, we don't always want the right thing, and we don't always know the right thing. But the Spirit is going to come and help. The Spirit is going to help you fix those problems. And this is supposed to encourage you. When you don't know what to do, when, when maybe it's right now you feel like your prayers are weak and, and scattered and, and directionless sometimes, you can, even in those situations, point number two today, gain confidence from your heavenly helper. Gain confidence from your heavenly helper. And I want to give you two reasons why you should gain confidence from this passage in your prayers. And the first reason, and it's probably is worth writing down as well, is intercession. You can gain confidence from your heavenly helper because of his intercession. And that's what we see there, that he intercedes for us. And this is the idea, even in Greek, almost like of you trying to, to pick up a log, right? And, and it's too heavy. You, you can't do it. And the Holy Spirit is coming alongside to help you and is, is picking up the burden that you can't reach and is helping you carry the burden that, that, that you can't lift on your own. He helps, and He helps by interceding for you. This idea of that He is praying for you. Now let's remember, who is this? It is the Spirit. The Spirit. Who is the Spirit? The Spirit is God, we see from Scripture, right? That even Ananias and Sapphira, out of one sentence, Peter said, how could you lie to the Holy Spirit? After the next, how could you lie to God? Like, when you lie to the Holy Spirit, you're lying to God because the Holy Spirit is God. God is one in, in essence, but three in persons. That's the idea of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the one who is with you, praying for you, is no less than God. Remember, we talked about like my daughter being cautious, not knowing what to do, being a little scared in those situations, and a father coming to help. Well, God has helped, in this case, by sending the Spirit to help us, by praying for us. Wow, that, that's, that's amazing. And, and how, is he, how is He doing it? It says that He is interceding for us with groanings too deep for us words. Now, there's a lot of thought about what does that mean, right? And some people will say this is talking about, you know, tongues, uh, this, this idea of speaking in tongues. And I don't think that's the best way to understand this particular passage, right? Because I think biblically, tongues is someone speaking in another language. That's what we see in Acts 2. And that doesn't make sense here, that, the, you know, the Spirit is speaking in some different language. And also, even what we see in in Corinthians, right? And there's a lot of debate about tongues, you know, even from Christians that I think are super solid in, in their theology, right? And so even whether people agree with me or not, one thing we see clearly in 1 Corinthians that even as tongues were being practiced in New Testament times, it wasn't something for every believer. Paul says that clearly, right? Some people had this gift, but not everyone. And this seems to be describing something that Paul is trying to apply to every believer, and also, I think it makes sense, I mean, for the Spirit, because some people say, well, the Spirit's not groaning. Like, it can't audibly do that. It's a Spirit. Well, guess what? Neither is creation. 
He's clearly using these ideas of groaning in a figurative way, applying it to things that aren't literally groaning like you or I am, like creation and now like the Holy Spirit. Because I think the best way to understand this is that the Holy Spirit isn't just praying for us. The Holy Spirit is passionately praying for us. I mean, this isn't just the Holy Spirit, you know, helping in our prayers in some kind of rote, mechanical, computer-like way. No, He is groaning along with us. That as we groan, like we saw last week, we groan with anticipation. When is the struggle going to be over? When is sin going to be over? When is the curse going to be over? That the Spirit doesn't look at us and just say, you know, oh, those people. No, it's saying, ah, I feel you. I'm groaning with you, even though the Spirit, right, has known perfect fellowship within the Trinity from eternity past. The Spirit doesn't have anything to to groan about, right, in and of Himself, but He takes up our groans and prays passionately for us. And He is bringing the things that you're groaning about, He is groaning about them to God the Father. What an amazing thing that we need to, to, to realize and to be encouraged by, be encouraged and gain confidence from the intercession. But also, I want you to gain confidence from inside information, right? Inside information. Let's look again at verse 27. It says, and he who searches hearts, and that's talking about God the Father. And God the Father, he knows what is the mind of the Spirit, right? God the Father, he knows exactly what the Spirit's thinking. And the Spirit He intercedes for the saints. He is praying for the saints according to the will of God. That God the Father and God the Spirit, they are in perfect harmony. God the Father knows exactly what the Spirit is saying, and the Spirit knows exactly what the Father is thinking. So as the Spirit prays for us, the Spirit is praying exactly what the will of God is. Right? It's like, One writer said, he fixes our prayers on the way up. So when you don't know what to pray for, and you're praying to God, guess what? The Spirit does know what to pray for. When you're like, God, I don't know what your will is in this situation, the Spirit says, I do, and I'm going to pray for that thing. Or when you are praying for the wrong thing, right? And you're praying, God, I hope your will is this, and it's not. The Spirit is, is praying the right thing because it knows exactly what God is thinking. And whatever God's, and remember, what is God's will for His people? Oh yeah, it's perfect, right? So whatever that perfect will of God is for you, God's plan for you, that is what the Spirit is passionately praying for. And every time the Spirit is praying, guess what? The Father is answering because the Spirit is exact is asking for exactly the right thing. The Father knows exactly what the Spirit is saying. It's this inside information. And He is going to help you. When you don't know what to pray for, the Spirit does. When you're praying for something that's not the right thing, the Spirit's praying for the right thing. When you are just too emotional or too exhausted to find the words, the Spirit is finding the perfect words for you. This is an amazing truth. And maybe you've come across a situation in life where where you needed help, 
right? I mean, you, you needed an advocate, right? Maybe it was a, a legal situation that was just beyond your ability to deal with or, or a medical situation or maybe a financial situation that you just needed help or you were trying to get a job and you need somebody to help you. Well, in a lot of those situations, to be an effective helper, that somebody needs to, first of all, be somebody who cares for you. And then it needs to be somebody that, you know, actually can do something to help you, right? I mean, you might have a friend who cares a lot about you, but they have no idea either. And so how effective can they be? And then there might be people out there that are experts that could perfectly help you, but they don't care about you. Maybe just because they don't know you or whatever it might be. But here the spirit is the perfect helper because he cares about you as a believer. And not only that, he knows. He's got the inside information, right? He knows. And so he can give the perfect help for you. Gain confidence knowing that the Holy Spirit, he's interceding for you. He has the inside information. He cares about you. What a beautiful thing this is. So what, right? I mean, we've kind of gone through the text, right? We have a problem. We don't always know what to pray for. The Spirit has the solution. It knows exactly what to pray for, and He cares for us, and He is doing it. So, hey, let's pray and go have a nice day. That was encouraging, right? No, no. so what? Let me use an illustration. Being a handyman isn't like one of my strengths, right? Fixing things around the house, construction projects, building things, not one of my strengths, right? I mean, my parents instilled a lot of, you know, work ethic in me in school and at the home, but none of us, were, you know, really had like, the technical skills to, you know, fix things. And still to this day, that's, that's a weakness of mine. So there's times in my life where in my home, I, I have a desire to do something, but I don't have the knowledge, right? I mean, I remember specifically one time early on in marriage, my wife and I had moved on to a new condo. My wife was looking at this spot in the dining room saying, oh man, I love to, we just had all these family photos taken. I'd love to put up these shelves on the wall here and then put the, the framed photos on these shelves, right? And I'm thinking, great, I'll, I'll jump on that. Hanging shelves, I can do that. So, boom, I get out my tools. I hang the shelves, you know, got my level. Hey, look at these shelves. They are perfectly straight. Look at me, look at what I'm doing. Hey, babe, get me those pictures. I, I put all those pictures on the shelves. I turn around and there is a deafening crash. Because uh, one of those shelves had just, as soon as it put the weight of the frames, had just fallen right out of the wall and come crashing down to the floor, shelf, picture frames, and all. And now there's shattered picture frames on the floor of my house, right? I had the desire and I even, you know, I, I was able to get them hung and get them level, but I didn't have them clearly anchored into the wall quite right. I, I needed help. And thankfully my wife, she brought a helper into our marriage. Because while, hey, being handy wasn't really a strength of my family growing up, her father made his whole career in, in the construction business and even ran his own business, finishing up base, basements and, and doing things like that. So all of my construction project, man, he knows how 
to do it. And he's got that blend that I need, right? He knows what to do and he cares because now I'm his son-in-law. I married one of his daughters. So knowing that I have that help, right? What does it encourage me to do? Because on my own, especially after an experience like that, when I've got the next thing that I want to do in my house, what am I going to be tempted to do? Not do it because I don't know. But now, oh wait, when I know, hey, I've got help, hey, let's do it. Because I know I'm going to have someone there with me fixing my mistakes, showing me what to do, and getting it done the right way. Right? Knowing that I have help, that confidence allows me then to move forward and actually do those projects. So what? I don't always know what to pray for. Sometimes my prayers are weak and you know, scatterbrained or whatever, but I've got help. Great. So what? So go pray. Pray because you know, hey, I might not know what to pray for, but I've got help. I'm going to have somebody there fixing all my mistakes, showing me what to do. And even when I don't understand what to do, he's talking to the Father about it for me. The result of this passage should be that you and I pray more, not less. And if you've understood any of this passage in Romans 8 to be an excuse to not pray, that is not at all what the passage is is talking about. It's not saying, hey guys, I know you don't pray, but hey, don't worry because the Spirit's praying with you. It's saying, hey, I know you're praying, but you're frustrated because you don't know what to pray for. We talked about, hey, admit you've got prayer problems, and yes, not praying is one of those problems. I mean, James 4 says, hey, you do not have because you do not ask. James 5 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And look, Elijah prayed and look at the difference that it makes. Prayer makes a difference. And what's going on here is some of us, hey, we've got that connection. We've got that help, but we're not utilizing it, right? We're letting all the projects go undone because we're not saying, hey, I've got the help. Let's go do it. Let's go pray. We've got no reason not to pray. This message should encourage us to pray because we know, hey, even when I'm frustrated, even when I don't know what to pray for, God is helping me out. And not just that, the Spirit is perfectly praying what I should be praying. So write this down for point number three, go pray like you know your prayers will be answered. Go pray like you know your prayers will be answered. Go pr- take that confidence and go pray with that confidence. Boldly, with this idea that I can't miss, because even, even when I miss, right? To, to use another sports illustration, the Spirit is there to get the rebound and put it back in, right? Even when my prayers are off, the Spirit is fixing them. So take the shot. Pray to God. He's fixing our prayers on the way up. And we have that confidence, number one, because, hey, I know God is hearing me because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I hope that's not just something that is assumed. And if you're watching this and you don't know Jesus, the way that you can know that God is hearing your prayers is if you know your sins have been forgiven. That on our own, actually, we're separated from God. And even some pastors talk about how God is closing His ears to us because of our sin. But that problem can be taken care of When we turn from our sin, we confess our sin to God and we realize Jesus is the Savior that we need. And it's through His blood that He died on the cross for our sins that we can now boldly approach the throne of grace. And when we get to that throne of grace and we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit is right there helping 
us. And now even you might say, go pray like you know your prayers will be answered. You might be thinking, but pastor, not all of my prayers have been answered, right? We all have had that experience. And I think we need to be careful there, right? You think about the the gospel of John, we'll get there eventually where Jesus says, hey, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. Or even in, in Matthew later in the Sermon on the Mount, when he's talking about prayer, he says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. I think there are more things that if we're looking at what does God tell me to do, and I start praying for those things, we should have more confidence based on God's word that he is going to answer our prayers. Just one example, think about wisdom. God tells us to ask for wisdom, James 1, 5, and says even ask for wisdom with confidence knowing that I'll give it to you. So when you pray for wisdom to do God's will, guess what? You should have 100% confidence that he's going to answer that prayer. So I think there's more situations and we should spend more of our time praying for those things. I know this is God's will. But still, how do we have that confidence when we don't, right? When it's God, is your will to take the trial away or is it to help me through the trial? Is it your will to heal this person or is it your will that this person goes home to be with you? I don't know. And I'm, I'm praying that you would heal them or I'm praying that you would take the trial away. What if God doesn't answer those prayers? Let me just look at one biblical example with you. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And here we're going to see the Apostle Paul, and he is going to talk about something that he pleaded with God for, but God did not answer his prayer in the way that Paul wanted his prayer to be answered. Just look with me at verse 7. It says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Now put yourself in Paul's shoes. Is Paul trying to serve the Lord? Totally. So now some obstacle comes into his head. We don't know exactly what the thorn in the flesh was. Some people think it was some kind of physical problem. Just from the idea of a messenger of Satan, it seems to me like there's some kind of opposition to him. And and I mean, can't you see in that situation saying, God, I'm trying to serve you. Why is there this opposition? God, take this opposition away because I want to serve you. And you would think, God, that has to be your will, right? Here, I don't think Paul necessarily is wanting something sinful, but clearly God has a different plan. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I think when we put this passage together with Romans 8, we know what was going on. God's will was not to take this trial away. It was, Paul, I've got so many things to teach you. In this valley, I want to teach you that my grace is sufficient. I want to teach you that when you're weak, then you are strong. And I think what we have is Paul is there pleading, God, take this thorn in the flesh away from me. While at the same time, the spirit is groaning on his behalf, bringing that pain to God and saying, God, I 
feel the pain that Paul is feeling, but I know what your will is. God, would you teach Paul all of these things that you want to teach him through this trial? And then look, Paul's perspective, the prayer is answered. Now he even sees God was doing this to help me from becoming proud. And God was teaching me all these other things. And now Paul wrote them down in scripture so you could be encouraged by him 2,000 years later. See, Paul, it wasn't a sinful desire, but he honestly didn't know. He didn't want the right thing in that situation. And he didn't know what the right thing was in that situation. But the Spirit and the Father worked together clearly for good. And oh yeah, we're in Romans 8. What's the next verse? Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And we'll talk about that more next week. But do you see how those things work together? The reason we know that all things work together for good is because we know the Spirit is perfectly praying for us the whole time. And that's why we can have this invincible faith, knowing, hey, God is working all things together for good. Because even when I don't know the right thing, and even when I'm not praying the right thing, the Spirit is working together so that at the end, I'm going to say, hey, God's grace was sufficient. And when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to finish with a prayer that doesn't come from Scripture. You can look it up. It's, it's known as the Unknown Confederate Soldier's Prayer, the, the prayer of an unknown Confederate soldier. And I think it also illustrates what we're talking about here. He says, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got, here, here's what I want you to take away. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. Let's pray with that kind of confidence that I know even when I'm off, even when it feels like God is saying, no, if I'm really a Christian who has been bought by the blood of Christ, I know God is saying yes to something better. And his agenda might look different than mine, but I guarantee his agenda is better than mine. And he knows what he is doing. So I hope you this encourages you this week, right? And I don't know what the particular frustrations are that you're feeling. I don't know what the particular difficulties are in your life right now. But I hope this encourages you. And even we think through the, the, the last two weeks, I hope that again this week you think more about heaven, right? And when you are down, you intentionally stop yourself and remember, hey, Right now, yeah, this is bad, but someday there's going to be something so much better. And in the meantime, when I'm there and it's bad and I don't know what to do, I'm going to go and I'm going to pray because I know that as I'm praying, the Spirit is right there with me, praying the perfect things, interceding on my behalf with intense care and emotion. And I hope that encourages us all. Let's pray together. 
Father, we come to you now through the blood of Jesus Christ and knowing that right now the Spirit is praying for us. God, I pray that you would encourage everyone listening to this message with that truth. God, and I pray that this would encourage us to pray more, God. And I pray that we would pray better, Lord, according to your word as we see it in your word. But God, there is still so much that we don't know. God, we thank you for your spirit and may we call on him, God. And when we simply don't know, may we pray like Jesus. Nevertheless, not what I will, but thy will be done. And build us up and strengthen us, God. And even, Lord, as we go through this season of uncertainty, Lord, and even as we look to hopefully things opening back up here soon, but opening up in a way that's not just back to normal right away, Lord, as we navigate all that, give us wisdom. And I know there's going to be times where, whether that's as a church or as individuals, we don't know, we don't know what to pray for. Let us still come boldly and with confidence, knowing that you will give direction and you will give the perfect answers to our prayers. Strengthen us, strengthen our faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks again for joining us for our online service today at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley. And I hope that you are encouraged to pray this week. And I'll remind you, as Charlie said earlier, if you want to attend that prayer meeting, any night this week, there'll be a link posted with this YouTube video and should be one on the church website if you want to jump in and pray with some people from your church family. So until we meet again, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.